0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Make It Happen Mondays, where we talk about sales, business, entrepreneurship, personal growth, mental health, and everything in between with guests who I truly respect and I think make a positive impact on the world around us. Today's episode is with Jaron Vosberg. He's the VP of Sales at Junk Crew, which is an outsourced sales and marketing partner that helps you drive and convert more leads into customers. Now, Jaron wrote a post a little while ago that really caught my attention. It said, salespeople, humor me with a hypothetical scenario. You need to connect with decision makers, but aren't allowed to send emails or make phone calls. He then went on to outline different unique approaches and the testing he did to figure out which ones worked and which ones didn't. We talked about the give a shit factor, also why it's so important to treat everything like an experiment these days, how to structure experimentation with the outcome in mind, celebrating failure, and how to coach towards agility. This episode is filled with tactical things that you can use today to help break through the noise.
1: What's happening? and Make It Happen family? Big shout out to our partners today, Gong, Vidyard, and Chili Piper. Gong's data is more than valuable. It's cornerstone in any organization looking to collect the data that's going to tell them where they can improve and where they need to spend their time making changes. Vidyard makes it easy for people to use videos anywhere. No matter whether you're sending videos in email or on social media, posting them somewhere, or sending them in a DM, Vidyard has got you covered. Our friends at Chili Piper are so much fun to be around. They make it easy for people to get on your calendar. And every sales rep has got to have this function locked in. It's one of the most important things we can do as a seller. How can I get you on my calendar easily? Chili Piper can make that happen for you. Be sure that you're checking out all these great tools. And now let's pass it over to John to find out who's joining him today. See you soon, everybody. John. What's going on, my friend?
0: How you been? Hey, I've been doing great, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for joining me here. And I remember a while back, you'd ping me on uh, on LinkedIn saying, hey, man, if you're ever looking for some guests, come on the podcast. At the time, we was cranking, and I was like, yeah, yeah, talk to my team. And then I started getting some, you know, some recommendations. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I love some of these recommendations. So let me go poke around to people who actually know what they're talking about and can have a good conversation and uh, came back to you. So I appreciate you jumping on. Well, here. I'm
2: glad you worded it like that. I won't take it as just being the only guy available for this time slot. you had to. No,
0: absolutely not, just- man. I get I get <laughs> hit up all the time. So John, just, to, just so the audience gets a little bit of perspective here. Uh, give uh, give a little bit of background, where you're coming from, uh, a little bit about Jump Crew, and then we can dive into uh, what I think is gonna be a pretty interesting conversation for yeah, people here. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I'm currently the Vice President of Enterprise Partnerships at Jump Crew. I've been here for the last six years. Um, Jump Crew is responsible for building qualified opportunity pipeline and closing deals for companies that are ready to scale. Um, and so we work all across the board from companies just going to market for the first time, to companies who have been around for a little bit and have a problem or see an opportunity, to big fortune 1000 companies that are looking to pour gasoline on the fire just need a team who can turn key, get it rocking and rolling. I came to Jump Crew after having never been at a job for more than two years. Like I'm a shiny object syndrome kind of guy. And like, I wanted to be a film director and I studied film production in college and worked in that world. I wanted to be a talent agent because I wanted to be Ari Gold from Entourage. And my soul was sucked out of me for two years. I learned a lot, but um, didn't love Pat. And then I pendulum swinged all the way over the other way and I quit that job with no money in the bank and tried to build my own company um, that blended the things I was into at the time, which was electronic music and fitness and not being in front of a computer. So I built a audio guided workout app um, that we bootstrapped, took to market and uh, had some success and ended up sunsetting um, for a number of reasons. Um, And then had to go back to kind of corporate life because I had met my now wife and wanted to show her like, hey, I can actually make a little bit of money here and I'm not just some degenerate. Uh, And I ended up working at a company based in Colorado uh, that had built a software for funeral homes and their staff to place obituaries and newspapers. And they were shortly acquired by Ancestry after about six months. So I was then part of Ancestry.com. So you're seeing a theme here, right? Like all over the board. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to actually doing? And so when my wife and I moved to Nashville in 2017, I said, look, I feel like what I'm really looking for is somewhere where I can get the output that matches the input. And I, in my mind, I was like, that seems like sales makes sense, right? Like you kind of eat yeah. what you yep. like let me find somewhere where yep. I, can work. I can just outwork everyone. Um yep. And that's how I landed at Junk Crew. I think we were maybe 40 people at the time. We're almost 300 people now, started as an individual right. contributor um, and had the opportunity to move up to team lead, manager, ended up being the manager and director of some of our biggest client accounts. Um, for a while, and have been in the VP role since June of 2020. Mostly
0: responsible for for new business. Love it, man. That's yeah, that that does seem a little bit all over the place. It's not, I mean, I didn't take a, the same track, but I was kind of the same walking into college. Like I, my first major was art. My second major was engineering because that was what my dad did my third major was biology because i don't know why not I, I i think i I went through every major and then i was like uh i'm just gonna land on business here so uh this one's the easiest one for me to graduate with <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah it's like i could
2: actually find a pair of matching socks at 18 years old let alone like determine yeah. the future of my entire professional life
0: I still find that insulting. I I really do. I I can't believe that we st- we still ask kids at eighteen years old that they have to define what they want to be for the rest of their life when you don't even know who you are at eighteen years old. It's 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 bananas to me. No, I don't get it. But let's let's jump into this, John, because um, you had, you had posted something a while ago about you know that caught my attention and, and it was about how. Pretend you don't have phone, pretend you don't have email. How would you do outreach? And and we were talking pre, you know, before we jumped on here about how your TAM is so wide that it's it's not exactly obvious what the best approach is. And then you went through a whole bunch of different experiments to figure it out. So could you kind of just reframe what you had said to me beforehand about why? And then let's get down into you know, what it takes today to break through that noise, because I think so many reps right now are acting like robots and they're getting replaced by robots. And it's going to happen now faster than I've ever seen. And so creative ways of engaging and developing relationships is, is paramount in my opinion, but I'm worried because of where we are right now. In in the terms in the sense that it's a remote working force, people are coming in without having to sit in the bullpen and learn from other people. There's no real empathy anymore for anybody. You swipe left if you don't like somebody, you know, all that shit. So, could you kind of just let's start with, with what you're what you talked about with Jump Cruise, Tam and what forced you to change things? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to preface this by saying that I deeply, deeply
2: believe in outbound as mm-hmm. a strategy. I think that it can still fundamentally dictate meaningful pipeline for the types of customers that you want. The challenge is that unless you are approaching it in a way that is at the very least different, if not at the best, thoughtful and intentional, then you're going to really struggle to drive meaningful results. And so the the example of Jump Crew in particular is, you know, our model is that there are so many use cases for where a team like Jump Crew who builds fully dedicated sales departments on behalf of our clients can be deployed. Companies who just raised a seed round and, and don't have the time, interest, or expertise to do it on their own, all the way up to the you know, Fortune 1000s and, and everywhere in between. Um, the challenge is that because of that, building a, a systematic outbound program that, that can yield real results has to be different. It, it can't it's be like- spray and pray because the TAM is so large. And so yep. we've gone through a couple of different iterations of Outbound. Um, and interestingly enough, had various levels of success in every single one of those. But it's, it's always yeah. a vault. It's always a vault. So yep. Yep. our very first pass at Outbound um, was built by geographic territory, um, where we said I had I think, six reps at the time. Um, let's break the country up by some of the largest cities, largest markets. And then what are the other indicators that we know are typically a good sign of a customer for, for junk? So we were looking at companies that were hiring for AEs or SDRs or sales managers even as a good temperature check that this could be a fit. And that's an easy talk track, right? It's like, sure, I saw this, there's a different way, would you be open to hearing about it? And that really works. That really worked well because that for us is one of the only indicators we have at face value that there's a need. Um, The other strategy we took simultaneously was look at current customer base. This is not going to be revolutionary to anybody. Look at career mm-hmm. customer base, build use case around that, and then build uh, account profile um, for target lists based on that. We've had success here. Here's what we did. I think we can replicate those results. And that has also had a lot of success historically as well. So, you know, flash forward, we're you know, finding some results here. Um, that's working pretty well. COVID happens. And what we saw, especially as far as people started really coming back from, from COVID, is that our, uh, our fortress around our inboxes has been better, more fortified than it ever has. It's like, you just, nobody cares, right? Like if you, if you're coming in and your email starts with, I hope this finds you well, you immediately spam. like you don't even have to read the rest of the email. Um, and, and we certainly experienced something similar, no matter how custom or thoughtful the email was. Um, so we, we started, to start thinking about that subject line, but not subject line, but the line that you see in your email, the first couple of words you see, that is your real estate. Right? So you've got that to work with. So then how can we leverage that real estate? So our first pass at that was pulling something very specific to the prospect. So if I said something like, hey John, I saw your post about something, something, right? That's going to get an open because it is personal to that person as I did the work, right? And what this was, we'll say lay in the foundation for what we're eventually kind of moving into these days is pre-work, this idea of actually doing some work in advance to show why this connection makes any sense. Okay. Now it really started to work. We closed deals leading with that strategy. I read this. It spoke to me. Here's my interpretation of it. Hey, as a side
0: note, I think there could be a good fit here. Okay. okay. Can I pause there for a second? Because... This is the line. What you explain there to me is the line between fake personalization and real personalization. Fake personalization, and I'm sure you get them just as much as I do, is hey John, personalized thing. I see you went to University of Maryland, right? And then then it hard cuts to some piece of shit value proposition that I would have no fucking interest. I actually. Get, I actually give you less points these days for faking personalized like for doing lazy ass personalization without making it relevant. So how did you how did you talk to your team about finding that thing? And then to your point, using a kind of a, a business case com- approach to it to say, hey, I saw that. And there's actually a reason I'm reaching out because of that, not just because that's the personalized piece I need to plug into my stupid template here. To make sure that it shows on the first 10 lines. That's right. Like I like to think about it this way. If
2: what you're using as personalization can be a variable field in your CRM, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. So if it's like a crunch base, funding round, or a university, or the location, or whatever. And so actually, I was just looking because I pulled up this example of one that actually turned into a deal. And the beginning of the email says, I stumbled on your um, something blog and I binged you know the wealth of insight. One of my favorite takeaways was the questions that you ask candidates in an interview. I'll definitely be adding the "What's the last book that you read?" to to my list of interview questions. And I told him what my favorite book was. I was like, speaking of interviewing candidates, and I I switched the tone to like, look, finding talent is tough. Like, and then you've got you got to build a team, you've got to train the team, you got to manage the team, and that's a pain point that I know a lot of folks are having to struggle with, especially now. And that was the pivot that i used to then show the value prop of junk crew and then of course the soft call to action at the end was hey if that resonates let me know if there'd be any value not do Perfect. you have quite have 15 yep. minutes and i've seen that number it just cool. keep getting shorter and shorter people are like if you have seven minutes <laughs> dude i know exactly that's <laughs> amazing on. that they think that that's going to have any impact it doesn't another hugely successful piece of this email structure has been the often forgotten PS. I love At, the PS yeah. as a tool yeah. because sometimes it draws the reader's eye all the way down to the bottom, right out of the gate. Yeah. So if that PS, and I always make the PS something else personalized. Um, he said, this prospect said in that post that if someone doesn't do homework on me as a prospect, I'm not going to do anything. So I said, I hope this email fulfills your advice about doing a little homework. I'm trying to connect with the I'll drop to you a connection on LinkedIn. So, like, just bookending that whole thing and making it cohesive, right? Yep. And that yep. that prospect signed the deal about 60, 90 days. So, oh, again, right. more validation that connecting the dots with personalization matters. Um, now, that was 2019 when that, when that deal happened. So, a lot has changed, right? A lot has changed. Right. I'll tell you a story about what really uh, catapulted this concept for me is because I was a buyer. Um, and yeah. I was doing some research on a, on a, a buyer intent and I was doing some, some, some look around. I, w- I wanted more visibility to like who was on our website. And then I thought we could use that insight to then provide the sales team with some outbound guidance, right? Something to equip them. And so a couple of days later, I get a slack from a, a salesperson, at junk group. He, he was like, Hey, I've got a buddy who works at this company. Uh, He said somebody at Jump Crew was doing some digging. He wasn't sure who it was, but he thought it might be you. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Like, that's a good use case for the tool. So he emails me directly. I'm like giving my email. And not only does he just email me directly, but he emails me like a whole breakdown. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's how I think it would work. And this dude like did the work in advance. He gave me the playbook. And I said, hey, now, like there's something there. And we signed up with that. We signed with that vendor. Um, and so it's got me thinking a lot about like what's the next space. And I've got one other thing that I'm probably going to tie this all together. Um, there is um, there's an Instagram account for dumb dudes like me called I think Friday beers, and um, they take like these clips from movies, and then they'll put different text over the clip of the movie so it has a slightly different meaning. And I was like, that's an interesting intersection of of this type of content. It's visually engaging. It's unique. People can relate to it. And so. The idea for us was, what's the next level of us innovating creatively in terms of outbound? If we weren't going to use email, we weren't going to use phone calls, what would we do? And so I posed that to the team as just a thought exercise. And the responses were interesting because it was mostly just blank stares. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And there was that saying yeah. that, you know, a poor craftsman blames his tools. Like if you've got a hammer or something into the wall, but you don't have a hammer and a nail, how are you going to do it? You have to figure out how to do it. And that yeah. thought process is a muscle that is just not flexed very often these days. Yeah. Um, and that's where i saw a huge opportunity. Um, and that's where the idea of, um, creating these videos came from. Um, and so the thought was instead of me sending an email into somebody's inbox where I have a percentage of a percentage chance of having a really meaningful impact if it isn't done right. What can we do that's different? So we th- And then also the idea was how can I get this to scale further on say, a, scale? One-to-one, yeah. a one-to-one, a one-to-one, because I, yeah. I want scalability. And another byproduct of that that we realized was that if we started to leverage video that we posted through social, not only is the potential prospect and the prospect account seen, but other people not at that company are seeing and seeing our thought process and seeing our methodology. So the idea became, let's build a target account list for each of these accounts. Let's actually film a video audit of what we're seeing on their website that we like in terms of customer acquisition. Um, Let's see, are they hiring for salespeople? What's the description of those salespeople? And then let's actually build a plan in real time for them. The research to prep for those videos takes maybe 30 to 45 minutes. The shooting of it takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And then once it's posted, it lives in perpetuity. And so we would take these accounts. We would write up a write about us like, have you heard about this company? They just released this report. We did a breakdown on the report. I did one for Drizzly um, who released an annual report. I broke down every different piece of their annual um, consumer report. And I said, if I was going to build the ad sales team for Drizzly's new retail ad network, here's how I would do it. And then I put that video online on LinkedIn. I tagged Drizzly, and then I direct messaged it to who I thought was probably the decision maker, which was their SVP at the time. And then I emailed. And what was amazing to see from the results, and actually I was looking, I was looking at um, at my recap doc here, um, is that that created a, a connection on LinkedIn. The visibility of that post was in the tens of thousands. And I got a response from that SVP,
0: and we were able to actually communicate over email. Now was the so we did. So let me ask. So w- did you literally like like that was your pitch to them, right? So it was specific about Drizzly. It was about their website. It was what you could do for them, and you put it. You put that on LinkedIn, right. like a public to everybody, right. and basically right. saying, "Hey, everybody, I'm prospecting over to Drizzly. This is how we're doing it," and and. Okay. Everything you said is correct except for one slight distinction is that in my video, I wasn't
2: like, I'm trying to sell to Drizzly. I said, I don't know if you saw it, but Drizzly released their annual consumer report. And there's some interesting insights. I was like, tequila's on the rise. Ready to drink is on the rise. Millennials are drinking red wine. Okay. Now, how is this valuable to brands in those three categories? Here's how. Now, how can those brands leverage the Drizzly uh, retail ads network to promote their products at the point of purchase? And so then we connected the dots there. And so it was a gotcha. standalone piece that showed value around our philosophy, yeah. but then obviously yeah. it was a ploy for us to prospect in the
0: jersey. Love that. I love that. Because that's what I was like. I'm like, wait a minute. Because I've seen people before be like, I'm trying to get into X account here and this is my approach. And it's like, somebody help me. It's like, all right, come on. You're crowdsourcing, prospecting here. Like I appreciate it, but don't be too lazy. So, But I, I think that I think what you're what you outline there is like multiple levels of value, right? And I think that's where we're we're getting to. I actually think that with, with the tools like ChatGPT and everything coming out right now, I, I I genuinely think that this is the year that the no value interaction of a sales rep goes away. Like the tolerance for the no value interaction, because I'm gonna start getting so much more value out of out of, you know, a robot, basically. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like if you think about if you think about spam for a second, right? Like, why do we hate spam right? in our inbox? Why is it? Why don't we hate it for the most part? Because, what do you think? Like, what? Do you, there you go. And it and it's not relevant to me. Most of it is not relevant to me in any way, shape, or form. It's just data dump of here's how great we are. Let's talk, right? And I mean, you might, you know, every once in a while hit a rock solid. Like, holy shit! Actually, I didn't. But few and far between. Now, fast forward with all the artificial intelligence, with the ability to scrape the internet and know everything about me. I look at Instagram, for instance, and I look at Instagram and I'm like, I, I've gotten into the point where I, I have like, I don't like that ad because it's irrelevant. That I, so now that and I've been using Instagram for enough. now I scroll through Instagram I'm like, oh, shit, like that looks pretty cool. Like, that's kind of interesting. Like, I want one of those. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. So I actually don't mind the majority of the ads anymore on Instagram because they're kind of things that I'm I find cool. If we fast forward, there's no way to me that that doesn't happen to our inboxes. I think that, that that technology is gonna be so good that they'll be able to scrape the internet, everything John said, most relevant up-to-date thing, what's happening in his marketplace, and then serve me shit up in my inbox that's just like, whoa, like, I yeah, that's a great idea right there. And guess what? I don't care whether it comes from a robot or a rep, that one, I don't care. I wanna talk to somebody eventually. But the thing that shows up in my inbox i don't really care as long as it's relevant to me as long as it's got something to you know gets me to think about something and so that's where the, the my you know what i'm trying to wake up rep, reps up to is that reality like that's not i don't think that's my opinion because i you've, you've seen it happen in the social channels and we're just going to take that and move this over to this now that we have these type of tools i mean microsoft just invested 10 billion into open AI they own linkedin like you don't think that microsoft's going to be able to push a button and all of a sudden flood your inbox with shit that's like actually relevant to you so i'm i'm curious from your perspective how do we what you're doing is something different than than what i notice out there most of us and including our education system by the way are, is, is like teaching reps to be robots, right? And and we're not giving them the creative liberty to try different approaches out or whatever it is. We invest in tools like outreach or whatever. Marketing comes up with the content because they don't want reps to screw it up. They force it in there and the reps press play. And with that, those reps are acting like robots, so they're gonna get replaced by right robots. But the problem is, is that they're, they're not developing any business acumen. They're not developing any uh, empathy. They're not be, developing any creative skills to figure things out. So, so how are so what have you seen with your team with this kind of approach of yours where it's like, hey, let's try this, let's get creative here. How are you helping them evolve versus just execute? Because I think execution, I could tweak a computer to do execution these days. I need people who have empathy, curiosity, and business acumen to eventually be able to have a conversation with somebody. So what are you doing at your organization to develop that type of talent? Because I think the development of talent right now is shifting drastically and it should. Yeah. Okay. So as a couple of things, one, I think it's a
2: a philosophical approach to the profile of the sellers that you bring into the organization. Um, Jump Crew has very intentionally distanced ourselves in every way, shape and form for what is traditionally known as the outsourced SDR model, yep. right? Because yep. for better or for worse, that has a negative connotation to it. You immediately think yep. offshore. You immediately yep. think call center. You immediately think telemarketing. Yep. And in, interestingly enough, a lot of the companies that I would say consider themselves in that category still leverage nearshore or offshore resources to keep costs low. And that's okay. That's, I mean, that that, that model can work and that, that's fine. Since day one, jump cruise reps have been local. Jump Crew's reps have been um, fairly compensated by fair work and value and uncapped commissions. Um, Jump Crew reps have had expectations as to what they're actually going to be selling because when they come into Jump Crew, they could be selling anything. They don't know what account it's going to be you know, until they're in the interview process and we're connecting the dots with their experience and their temperament and the client and uh, making sure that there's a good match there. Um, and then when they're in the organization, there are some things that are always going to be static. And then those things that are static are you know, why is the product that we're selling valuable to the end user and how does this client want that product to be represented in terms of their brand aesthetic, the messaging, like that all has to be consistent, right? So that's has to be continuity. We have to set the expectation with our clients that like this has to be a laboratory. Like, if you remember the, the scientific method from your sixth grade um, science presentation, like it was hypothesis, test, conclusion. Some something to that effect. And so reps have to know, here are the guardrails. Guardrails are, this has to be the same. Everything else is up to you as the individual to bring ideas to the table on how best we can go about doing this. I'll give you an example. Um, Jump Crew had a client where we were selling um, social media management, right? So this client could take on building content and actually managing the reporting, all those things. And we had a seller who was running with the talk track that we had developed in the first phase of this running with it. And you know, the lead-in would be, you know, hey, uh, is there somebody who manages social media or um, you know, we're a company that helps with this, out of the other um, one day this rep got off the phone and said, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something a little bit different. Here's what I'm gonna try. And the rep said, I'm gonna try just picking a specific piece of content on that person's current Facebook page and seeing if I can figure out who was responsible for making that piece of content because I cause I like it. So the gotcha. next call he made, he said, hey, I have a kind of a strange question. Um, I, I'm, I, I found this post um, that says this side of the other thing. It really resonated with me. Is, do you know who made this? Was this you? Was this somebody else on your team? And they're like, oh, well, that was, that was John that made that. I was like, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, you guys have a gem in John. Second of all, is he available by any chance? Like this is a huge shot in the dark, but like his work resonated with me. I had kind of a weird idea I wanted to run by him, and so he's leading with this really soft, very complimentary approach first, just to show I'm a human being. Something specific about you spoke to me, and I just want to have a quick conversation. You know, he did no sales, but she hasn't mentioned what company he's calling from. He hasn't mentioned why he's calling. And we actually played around with how long can you go in that call before you say where you're calling. Um, and it kind of became a game. And then when you got that person on the phone, then you're just talking about how great their work is. I remember we had a client, we saw an ad in a magazine and we thought that the ad was awesome. It was It was genuinely really good. And we called and figured out who created that concept. And then we were in their office like a couple of weeks later and, and, sold, and sold that deal. Um, and so taking that slightly different approach is the margin where you can empower sellers to be themselves and to come up with new ideas. And so every week when we're reporting back to clients and we say, here's what we tried, here's how it went, good, bad, or otherwise, here's how we suggest we pivot. That you can't replicate. With AI,
0: that, that's human intelligence. That,
2: that's not artificial intelligence.
0: And that, and therein, I think, becomes the problem in the sense that that's not necessarily scalable. That's right. Because I call that the give a shit factor, right? It's like, and this is the exact. And people who have heard me on this podcast have heard me say this before. You know, when Morgan came uh, on board with me, he was doing great, and we were creating cadences and he was going through, and it, and we got good results, but then they plateaued. And he was like, dude, I I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why I'm not, you know, I'm not getting results. I feel like I should be getting better results based on what we're doing here. I go, Morgan, nothing's going to change. And so one thing does, and it's when you start giving a shit. And he's like, what? I go, look, I know you care about working here. I know you care about your job. But until you start genuinely giving a shit about the person on the other end of that email, the other end of that phone call and thinking as a person, like your results aren't going to change. And that's what I tell my team. We have our, you know, now, you know, I got four other trainers and, We all have our target lists, right? Top 25, whatever that is. And I told them, I go, I don't want you to just pick those top 25 based on basic demographic information, right? Just because they have sales reps and they're in these industries and whatever, that'll get you close, okay? But then I want you to go through each one of them and find a connection. And I don't mean to send an email here, like you'll send that later, but I want you to find a connection of why you personally want to work with that company. Because if you can find that connection, then it's real, then it's genuine. To your point, a robot can't repu- replicate that because that's me. Like me personally, I want to work with you, John, right? So it's this growth at all costs that this SaaS industry has been on for the past 10 years, right? And it, it's it's over automation. It's over templatized. It's over trying to fit everybody into a very specific box of very specific segments and all that t- stuff. And, and, and yeah, I think it scales to a certain degree, um, but now I feel like we're going to come to a reckoning here where you're not going to be able to grow like that as far as mass, you know, customization or mass automation. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious. I, I kind of hope it goes to where, what you're doing and, and what I believe is the right thing to do. But I, but for me, how, how big is, um, how big is Jump Crew? How many employees you got now? 400 you said? Wow, 251. Like for me, I could do it, right? Cause I'm, I'm 20 people and I don't have VCs pushing down my back. I can, I can say, no, no, no. We only want to go after the ones we want to go after. But I guess where's the middle ground for you as far as scale of, of really doing, you know, what you need to, to get the numbers out there and personal and true connection personalization. What's that balance for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the idea of things that don't scale
2: means that you have to define what it is that you're trying to scale. And I think that there's the default definition that scale means we're doing more faster when in all actuality, I think you have to decide if you want to scale quantity or quality and you can scale philosophy, you can scale methodology, you can scale approach, and you can scale the network of people who felt they had a truly meaningful interaction with you and will remember Because I, my only expectation when I send a very specific custom email or I record a video is, of course, I hope the byproduct is eventually a meaningful selling conversation. But I want people to see the name junk crew associated with deep, thoughtful work that was personalized and have them say, wow, that was, that was refreshing. And that's what we believe in. And so if you can establish a foundation of that at the individual rep layer, then every rep that you add that still is bought into that same methodology and can show that although I'm didn't send three hundred emails today, but I created yeah. five videos that are going to scale. I had one yeah. 60 minute conversation with somebody who's in a senior leadership position. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, a demo with someone who's actually buying because someone who I emailed three months ago who wasn't a good prospect sent them my information because I didn't spam email them. That mm-hmm. is meaningful. It just changes slightly the way that you define what you're trying to scale.
1: What's up, everybody? I know you're enjoying this conversation. John does a great job with genuine curiosity on these episodes, and our guests consistently bring the heap. We want to take a moment here and let you know that you've got an opportunity, an opportunity to become better than you were yesterday, and you can do so by gaining access to all of JB Sales content, all of their training tips, techniques, tactics, and takeaways can be yours for $1 a day. $365 for the year gets you annual access to everything, including our private Slack channel for members only, which you get access to all of us directly 100% of the time, 24 hours a day. And then at the same time, you're going to get access to our bi-weekly ask me anything sessions where you can bring real deals to the table and get the help that you need where you need it this is very very important sales reps that invest in themselves are often found at the tops of their leaderboards join us today and get the help you need to become the seller that you deserve to be that url one more time is joinjbsales.com. let's get back to the show with jb and our guest for this week
0: what i know you can scale is relevance right because i can take a stab if i get down enough to some commonalities of certain roles certain industries certain things i know some of the things jaron you as a vp of sales are dealing with right now you know what i mean just because i've talked to a ton of vps of sales i know what's happening in the marketplace right now and those type of things so i can take an educated guess on relevance and not have to be personalized because i I say this all the time that you know the holy grail of prospecting, right, is personalization and relevance. But if you force me to choose between the two, personalization or relevance, I'm going relevance all day long. Because you know, we, we were joking earlier, like just because you know I went to the University of Maryland does not buy you any points these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but I still get those hey John, you know, terps. But relevance, and you talk about we, we're on the same page as far as that that real estate on an iPhone, right? Those first ten words right there. We actually use we actually ask a question. So I'll ask you a very thoughtful, direct question based on your persona in your industry. So something like, hey, Jared, you know, how are you keeping your reps motivated and engaged now that everybody's working from home, right? If I would have noticed that you had to work from home policy or something like that, like, hey, how are you keeping the reps motivated and engaged now that everybody's working from home? And the goal there is to have you look at that and go, uh, why did you ask that question? Open up. Well, the reason I asked is because super relevant connection to that. And that's how we work together. So we're seeing a lot of that success. And guess what? You can scale that, right? Because... You know, for me, I'd much rather have you send me an email that asks me, hey, John, as a CEO of a sales training organization, how have you made the switch from on-site to remote delivery and retained your revenue streams? Like that is an extremely relevant question you can ask somebody like me. And guess what? You can ask every other CEO of a sales training organization the same fucking question. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we've tested that that first sentence, like how to make it relevant, how to how to not fake personalize it, but personalize it in a way that is at the bare minimum relevant. Because that's the thing that going back to spam, the reason that most spam is is painful, is because it's irrelevant. It's something I could care less about, and so. But if it's relevant, all right, right. So, I guess for you, as you go to this this next, I mean, I, and I love the idea, by the way, of everything being an experiment, because I'm I'm on the same page right now. Agility, agility, agility mm-hmm. is the number one competitive advantage for everything out there. So how do you how do you coach your your team or empower your team to come up with experiments do you have a framework where you say hey i need you to have a hypothesis a beginning and an end a budget to it a timeline that type of thing or is it more of a a little bit of a free-flowing um hey whoever comes up with an idea we'll coach you through it because i think that's an important part of this is how to how to give structure to experiments so that we can have them without losing control of them. Mm -hmm. From my own experience, um, the easiest way to keep myself
2: accountable was to use a weekly team meeting as an opportunity to highlight, what did you try differently this week? um, Or show me an example of an outbound that you felt good about and let's socialize it with the team. And what we'd find is that that became a living, breathing organism is that every time folks knew that they could experiment and that it would be showcased, then something from that email, no matter what it was, or that script, or that LinkedIn message, or that video they created would then get pulled from the rest of the team. They go, oh, actually, that is actually kind of a unique approach. I'm going to try a version of that. And so every single week, you've got this prototype that turns into a... Uh, first version to a v2 a v3 v4 and it just keeps getting better and better and better and interestingly enough um i actually just had this happen today we do have a what we call kind of our master generic sequence that if we feel that the list itself is viable that we've had this frankenstein of all of those different meetings that has come together over the years and that Uh email still slays and i got a response hey literally just somebody who said that is a good sales email. It was in all caps. So that. And it's, nice. it was, that was automated. Like that went, yeah. but it was automated as a result of human work. Like that, you can't replicate right. that because the reps are getting the qualitative that the quantitative can't possibly get. So when I'm right. on the phone with somebody and I hear, oh, that makes sense or that really lands or I hadn't thought about it that way, whoop, that's going right into the library and we're going to lean into that. And the value that you get from sales reps feeling comfortable getting off calls and turning around to their manager the director and saying, I keep hearing that this seems to be the problem or I keep hearing this common theme. How can we hit this on the head sooner, better, faster?
0: Well, and that actually highlights another point, which is I think the leadership needs to pay attention to, which is I think so many of us, you know, the primary goal of, for instance, the outbound team is to get that meeting, right? So it's like all in, get that meeting, do whatever it takes. But I always said there's a secondary goal to every single phone call you make. And it's to grab that one extra nugget of information, whatever it might be, that'll help you learn and be more relevant next time. So for instance, right? You know, you talk about ideal customer profile and all these different things and all these little nuance, right? Like part of our yes, we have the this many employees and this industry is whatever, but we also have stuff like what technology do they use, right? So if you're using Salesloft, outreach, Salesforce, Gong, course, you know, all these tools, right? Like we know those tools and, and we work we work really well with them. And so I, I could call into a gatekeeper, for instance, or whatever and say, hi, is Sarah there? And oh no, who's calling? Well, this is John with JB Sale. The reason I'm calling is this is, you know. Oh, let me put you through to her voicemail. Hey, real quick, before I go through her voicemail, do you guys use Salesforce? I'm just kinda curious. I'm just curious. Right? I like that. And they'll be like, uh yeah, why do you ask? Oh, I was just curious, you know, just, you know, blah and then I go into Salesforce, I check out the box that says they use Salesforce. And then the next time I do get through to Sarah, I now have context to it. I now can reference something that I that I quote unquote researched, but I researched it in a different way. So I think that's the 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 failure that I'm seeing with a lot of SDR organizations specifically is is the hyper focus on meetings and the, uh, the lack of leveraging their collection abilities, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For insight. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And that, that is a training responsibility. Um, that is a, um, CRM responsibility. That is a, uh, accountability responsibility from leadership to be able to enforce and empower that activity and behavior. Um, and then, you know, I was actually just thinking, um, kind of what you're talking about that there is a direct correlation Um, between the scale of the organization to which you are prospecting into and the necessity for scale of your unique message. Meaning, if I wanted Microsoft as a client, I could spend days unpacking their whole org structure and trying to figure out who the exact person is. But if I created one of those videos and it was thoughtful about Microsoft and the opportunity I saw, whatever it may be, the likelihood that that's going to saturate into the little nooks and crannies of an organization that is otherwise pretty Mm -hmm. difficult to prospect into are much higher, whereas if my prospects are more the SMB, a mom and pop, a single location brick and mortar, that activity type isn't going to have the same impact because it's not applicable to that channel, to that buyer. And so I can probably just make a single phone call and more likely than not be talking to the right person. And so it just, it it changes the approach. So you you kind of think about it as like a sideways little funnel, you know, the bigger the organization, Mm -hmm. the more your message is going to have to scale to get any chance of visibility.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, you, I, we always tear out our accounts, right? You got your good ones, your average ones, and your shitty ones. And that to me is, is their approach. Like the good ones, that's, those are the ones you take your tailored approach to. Those are the ones you spend homework, you know, time doing homework on. And then the, you know, the small ones, like that's where you, you kind of have to do volume. It doesn't make sense to personalize every email to a SMB audience. Right. Um, so how do you encourage or what's your I guess what's your philosophy on with this experiment model that that you have um of trying things out on a regular basis what's your encouragement or disencouragement of failure and how do you how do you approach it um like when one of these experiments I, fails I'll explain
2: it slightly differently from my own perspective and then how it applies here so um, yeah. outside Jump Crew, I do some, um, I do some real estate investing and the properties that we buy need a lot of work. Like they are, the, yeah. you know, really low, you know, really need some, some, some effort. And, um, pretty recently we got hit with a very large bill to completely repair an HVAC system. Like had to completely repair a whole HVAC. And that stuck. like, I hated getting that bill. And, you know, at first the knee jerk reaction was like, God dang it, like that sucks. Like this blows, what am I doing? It's so dumb. And then I had a brief moment of clarity, and I told my wife, "I was like, you know, this is that. This is one of those moments that somebody who eventually becomes an expert at doing this has to go through to ultimately become an expert. You have to experience this moment, so that next time you know, like, hey, maybe the next property I will want to buy something that has a new HVAC in it. Like, and I can't get better unless I felt that pain." And so I think that that directly applies into that experimentation mindset is I remember us trying to really get creative and I had one of my reps was writing poems. He was writing (laughs) like custom poems, like haikus, like and they were good. I was sitting there laughing my ass, creative and fun they were. I remember him doing one for, he was prospecting into weed maps and like he was using all of these different strains in his, it was hilarious. You know how yep. many responses we got to those? Zero, zero yeah. responses. And so he could yeah. take a couple different, um, you know, paths of reaction that he could say, what a waste yep. of time that was. Like, I'm terrible at my job, whatever. I said, look, you just created a little library of hilarious content. I said, go turn yeah. that into a LinkedIn post. Like, Totally. All of those in, anonymize the prospect yeah. and put your entire now um, 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 anthology, your 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 chronicles of your poems, like you just wrote yeah. a book, dude, like I that's amazing. It. And people are going to yep. love that. And like you now know that that's not the best way to go about it, but you yep. flex that muscle so much that it's just going to become part of your DNA now.
0: And I think that's right. So I'm I'm all about failure as long as you learn from it. And that's why I encourage, you know, everybody when I do trainings, I talk about AD split test, everything. Because, and the basic example here is, if you make 50 dials in a day, right? So you make, let's just use a cold call example. If you make 50 dials and you get no meetings, it's a shitty day, it's demoralizing, you, you, you go home questioning why the fuck you got into this profession in the first place and everything else. But if you make 50 dials and you split them up and you do 25 and 25, right? And you test each message to a similar profile group. So, you're actually looking at, you know, you're not just calling dialing for dollars for anybody that's in your database, but you're calling, for instance, every VP of sales in SaaS, right? I'm going to call 25 dials with this approach and 25 dials with this approach. Even if you still get no meetings, to me, that's a good day because you just figured out two approaches that don't work. And tomorrow, you'll find, you know, and the the more things you find that don't work get you closer to something that does. So... I guess the question, though, is, and you're closer to it than I am, is, you know, I think a lot of like, and maybe I'm talking like my dad at this point, but I feel like feedback these days is hard to come by. As far as like, uh, be, you have most most of the generation that I've come across is like they don't they they don't take feedback well. They don't know how to get feedback, and they're afraid to fail are you and i think this goes back to your hiring profile but do you see this in your in your hiring and what's out there and how do you test for somebody who is you know in your interview process if you will who's coachable who knows you know who's who likes feedback and and those type of things because i I, i'm finding it rare these days that it's it's welcome let's Mm -hmm. put it that way yeah i can't say i
2: have a silver bullet by any means um you know i don't have a playbook of how to how to perfectly hit that every single time. But certainly in the interview process, things I'm looking to hear are um I like to hear folks who have tried to do something on their own, even if it was something simple. I remember a rep that um, he said that he does um uh what do they when you do shoe cobbler? He was a cobbler as a as a hobby, right? Of all he literally put shoes together. And like I'm thinking, wow, that's A, fascinating. B it's unique. C, it takes a combination of you know, um, thriftiness and, and, and manufacturing and patience and all of that, like that is that is a um, soft skill indicator for me. I mean, there's the kind of cliche um, interview questions like, tell me about a time where you failed and all that. You know, you may get some lip service in those answers, but like directionally, I think that that gets you there. I think as sellers too, you know, this is a pretty objective performance-based role. And so there's got to be all this. There's just this pressure that's like, I have to produce the result and i don't have time to test like i got to find results quickly and so finding that balance is an art and a science again i don't have a playbook for it but i think that an organization and something that i'm very proud of at jump crew that can foster um experimentation with the end result in mind like not at the expense of driving outcome but knowing that as long as we're sticking to some of those static elements that we know are true and as long as we're empowering a sales team with as accurate um and specific and intentional list of accounts as we possibly can and they know the guardrails of you know what's appropriate and what's not like yeah it, encourage them to play around I like your methodology we're saying like let's create you know three or four different sequences where the static stuff is the same but let's play around yep. playfulness creative um, the corporate like let's see if one of these resonates because we know a constant in this experiment is the prospect profile is basically the same and so exactly. that, and so that junker believes that through, through our clients see that you know they see that that they, they think that what they come to us is just for the sales the end of the sales right and of course yeah. that's that's yeah. what they're going to sure. what they'll eventually get but finding a thousand ways how not to do something means that they then have a playbook at the end of the day that they can use yeah. in perpetuity and, and it yep. takes experimentation to get there. And we have to be the
0: champions of that from the rep up. Yeah. And I think that to your point of like balancing results and, and you know, experimenting, it's just fail fast. You know what I mean? Like, like let's, and it's, it's not like a three month cycle that we're running this experiment through. It's a like, you know, I tell people right now that like, I don't know about you, but I can't see past shit i can't see past next week at this point but i can't see i definitely can't see past q1 like you can't tell there's not a leader out there that can tell me with confidence that oh q1 we bought we're bottling out on this you know recession here and it's definitely going to go back to q2 q2 we're going to be okay nobody can say that right because who knows i mean chat gpt4 is coming out and we might all be replaced for crying out or five is coming out we might all be, re- be replaced whatever so right now agility experimentation fail fast move and I don't know, the, the challenge though, and we'll finish on this is, it sounds like you are cut from a similar cloth of me is like, I actually enjoy chaos. I I, I thrive in it. When, it. when it's, when it's, I don't, I get bored when things are stable. I get bored when things are kind of, and I just kind of end up farting around and doing stuff that I probably shouldn't do being inefficient. But when it's fucking go time, man, I'm all in. Like, I'm like, oh, let's go. But that scares a lot of people. You know what i mean like i think the majority of people are risk averse they don't what they like to do what they've been told to do they like to fit into this little box and so again i think it gets back to to, to hiring profile but i i think people have to be very comfortable being uncomfortable moving forward because i don't see it getting any any easier i, I think it just getting more chaotic more stress i mean think about people like oh my god like like covid that fucked everything up you know how much shit has happened since COVID that's been fucked up? Mm-hmm. Like massive amounts of shit since COVID have been fucked up. And it's only been three years for crying out loud. It's just going to get weirder. So can you coach to adaptability? mm mm-hmm. It's a good question. I don't know. It's a good rhetorical.
2: I don't know if you can. You know, I I think that it comes down to some people need to be cut from that cloth, and you have to be able yeah. to identify that. Um, I don't know if you can coach it. I think people can evolve into it. I don't know what the framework is for coaching it, but I certainly do believe that if for no other reason than for the catharsis of just doing something different to blow off steam. Like in an, in a in a, in a responsibility and sales where if you aren't doing that, like it can feel like Groundhog's Day every day. Like that is a, a release valve for sellers yeah. to say the very least, blow off some steam by just trying something unique to you. Something we we had an good. AE who was great at ukulele. I said, Write a song and he recorded <laughs> a song on a ukulele and sent it out. We made a whole video about it for Jump Crew Corporate. Like put those yep. people up to be their best selves and at the very least let them you know release the valve at the very best have some meaningful connections from
0: it yeah and i think that that's you just got to get back to having some fun with this man i think people take this shit too seriously i, I really do like people are like oh you know, cold calling I'm like what's the fucking worst thing that could happen to you on a cold call they hang up on you shut up get on the phone yeah <laughs> like have, have some fun stop being a robot absolutely right? man. Awesome, man. Well, let's tie this up, but I appreciate this conversation. Why don't you, uh, John, tell people uh, where they can find out more information about you, uh, about what you're working on, Jump Crew, and everything else. Yeah, definitely. Um, So you can
2: um, check me out on LinkedIn, Jump Crews, www.jumpcrew.com. Um, you can look at some of the other interviews that I've done and some information about me at jaredbosberg.com. I'm relatively active on on LinkedIn, and I'm always happy to blow off some steam with some other sales folks if they, uh, if they want to get oh,
0: anything like. off the chest. Love it. And and for those of you listening, it's Jaron, J-A-R-O, J-A-R-R-O-N, Bosberg, V-O-S-B-U-R-G. Uh, and it's Jump Crew, all one word. Check him out. Go see what he's up to. He's doing some cool, creative shit out there. And uh, Jaron, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. it. was a fun conversation. It's been a blast. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. And everybody else out there listening, as I always say, go out there and make somebody smile today, because no matter how bad your day went or you think it's going... You make somebody smile today and you know you had a good day and the world needs a lot more of that right now. So thank you all very much and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much for your time today and listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. With your support and our incredible guests, we're one of the top sales podcasts in the industry with over a million downloads and I can't thank you enough. To keep the momentum going, if you could go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. In return, I will answer any question that you have on Instagram. Hit me up there at John Emma's as Michael Barrows with a video question or a DM and I will get right back to you, I promise. And last but not least, if you're looking for training, I'm adjusting my training approach this year and I'm actually going to be delivering training to the masses. I'll be delivering live training the first and second week of every single month with our two marquee courses, filling the funnel and driving a close to anybody who wants to join and it includes membership in our on-demand platform with weekly AMAs. So you can go to jbarrows.com slash open to check out the details. Thanks again and have a great day.